So the wonderful thing about giving love is that by giving it, you show the universe, look, I have so much love to give. I can give it away. I have so much of it. I have an abundance of it. I can give it away freely. And the universe sees that as proof and goes, oh, yeah, you do have a lot of love. I'm going to make sure that continues. And then the universe continues to give you love on top of love so that you have more and more to give away. I've shared with you a little bit of my story of the depression that I went through a few years ago. And when I begged for help, one of the things that fell into my lap was this job. And when it was first offered to me, very coincidentally happenstance, but as we know, never ever an accident. At first I said, no way. I don't want to work nights in a nursing home again. But the signs were there. There were enough arrows going here, 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 that I realized there was something more to this job than what I could see on the surface. And taking that job taught me so much. And working this job has given me so much opportunity to love the people I work with, the staff and my residents. And this last year, if there was ever a time that we needed some love in a nursing home, it was this last year. I cannot praise the staff in my building enough. And when I say my building, I'm speaking specifically of my building. However, there are at least 1,700 nursing homes across the country. And we all went through pain and struggle in this last year. A lot of it. If anything, my building was spared very, very largely because our COVID outbreak was mild compared to some, and we only had one. So last week, we talked about some of the struggles and some of the hardships that were in the nursing home over the last year. But this week, I want to talk about the heroes and the helpers that came in. Because there were a lot. And I think every single one of you looking at your last year could tell stories of the heroes and the helpers that have been in your life. I know I can. When COVID first hit, I told you the night it got real for me was the night that the jazz game was canceled. The stadium was full. I don't even remember who the jazz were supposed to play, but Rudy Gobert tested positive with COVID and he had been joking about having it and even licked the microphone earlier. So people were kind of freaked out. And my sweet little patient who we're calling Ida would come down to check on me and ask me, when is the game going to be on? When is the game going to be on? And it kept getting pushed off and pushed off. And this sweet little lady, when the game was canceled, she was devastated and she said, when, when are they going to have another one? Are they going to have another one? And they didn't have another one. Eventually, months later, but her jazz season, one of the things that this woman lived, lived for was taken away from her. I know we're all thinking about visitors and, and guests and all those things, and those are all true, and those are definitely things that she had taken away from her. Missing her jazz. I've heard many times that the secret to happiness is 
something to do, something to love, and something to look forward to. One thing Ida loved to do was watch her jazz. One thing she loved was her jazz. And one thing she looked forward to was watching the jazz. Those things made Ida happy. Those weren't the only things. But she thrived on that. She would even catch the director of nursing in the hallway because she knew he was a jazz fan too. And they would talk about the players and and who was going to start that night and who they were playing against. She thrived on that. And when she lost her jazz, she lost a piece of her. And that's the cost of COVID. Because those two are inextricably related. It was devastating for Ida to not be able to see her family. She had a niece who would come regularly, maybe weekly, maybe every other week, to visit, to sit and chat for an hour. Not a lot of time, but it was incredibly important for Ida. Again, it was something that she loved. She loved to do it, and she loved to look forward to it. And when she no longer had those visits with her niece to look forward to, it was devastating for her. Her niece would come visit with her through the window, but we had to keep the window closed so she couldn't really hear what her niece was trying to say. And her niece could drop off the treats that she brought for her, but she couldn't hug her. And for Ida, that was devastating. Then our building flooded. Last year, late July, early August, there was a huge rainstorm. And there was over two feet of water in parts of my building. That night, I wasn't there, but all the management had to go in. They called in any staff that were available to help move the patients because 28 patients had to be sent to other care facilities. And of the 30 to 40 patients that we kept, they all had to be cramped down on the one hall that hadn't flooded. So everyone who had had their own room prior to that no longer had their own room anymore. Everyone had to share in order to stay in the building. And Ida got put with another patient. And this other patient is a lovely woman. She has a beautiful soul and she loves the people around her. But she's picky about how she likes things. And you know, Ida was a lovely woman, a beautiful soul, and she loved the people around her. But she was kind of picky about how she liked things. And the two of them, because they wanted different things, didn't get along great. Not terribly, but not great. So my sweet Ida lost her visits with her niece. She couldn't sit in the dining room anymore. She couldn't sit and visit with her friends before and during meals. She couldn't watch her jazz. And now she had a roommate that she didn't get along with. One day last October, I think on Thursday night when I worked last, I remember giving her a hug and telling her I would see her on Tuesday. I went out of town that weekend, and I got a message Sunday morning that Ida had been transferred to the hospital and that she had passed away. This is the cost of COVID. Ida didn't die of COVID. Ida never contracted COVID. But Ida died of COVID. COVID robbed her of everything that gave 
her enjoyment and passion in her life. And without those things, she literally lost the will to live. In the medical field, we call this failure to thrive. Ida failed to thrive. Not because she caught some bug that stopped her from being able to breathe, but because this bug that was stopping people from being able to breathe caused things to happen that robbed her of the joys that she had in her life. I know that Ida is not alone. I know that there are millions of people across this country who have struggled over the last year and and possibly still are struggling. Maybe they never got COVID. Maybe they never contracted it. Maybe they never tested positive. But they're suffering. They're hurting because of the ways that COVID has changed their life and not always in such a great way. And whether it's good or bad depends a lot on what we decide it is. But that's not always really easy to make something that looks really bad look good. For many of us, COVID has been a tremendous blessing. In many ways for me it has. I have been able to work a lot of overtime over the last year. I've been able to love and serve in ways that I could not have predicted ahead of time. And I'm grateful for those things. For many people, COVID has given them new opportunities. For many, many people, before COVID, they were living a life that they weren't really happy with. They were going to a job that they didn't really like because they thought they had to. And this last year has shown them that that's not necessarily the case. They do not necessarily have to go to that same job because for the last year, they didn't. And everything somehow was okay. Somehow they still got by. And so now, when it's time to go back to that job, they don't want to. They do not want to go back. And most of these jobs specifically are in the service industry where service employees get treated poorly, get yelled at, get argued with when all they're doing is their jobs. So many, many of those people have decided they don't need to go back to work right now. Somehow they made it through the last year and they can keep making it through until they can find a job that they'll be happy with and that they'll enjoy. And maybe they don't think that they will ever find that. And maybe they have no desire to ever go to work again. And when you look at it from that perspective, they were doing something that they thought they had to do that sucked and they hated doing it. And then they found out they don't have to do it, so they don't want to do it anymore. I kind of don't blame them. And what we're seeing from that is we are seeing help wanted ads everywhere. We're seeing Taco Bell closing at 9 p.m. when they used to be open till 2 in the morning because they don't have enough staff to stay open. Other places, stores, restaurants, etc., are offering higher and higher wages. I heard that the McDonald's in Moab, Utah, was starting new employees at $18 an hour because they're desperate. And that makes me think maybe one good thing that came out of COVID was maybe we didn't need a $15 an hour minimum wage. Maybe we needed people to recognize how valuable they are and understand their own worth and demand it. And we needed other people to also recognize how valuable they are so that we'll be willing to pay them that. We're even having that in the care center where I work, 
where we can barely keep CNA staffed. The management in my building has literally had to come in and work overnights to cover for CNAs because we were so short, and God bless them for doing that. Back to my last year in my nursing home. COVID was really scary for my patients when it hit, especially because the news was so scary. And when we came in, they would ask us, what's it like? How's it going? We don't know. We're watching the same news as you. We know it's scary, and I don't want to tell you that. In fact, we know that the news makes it way scarier than it actually is. And it was the best I could do to try to help them understand it's not that bad. It's not going to be that bad. Trust us. But, you know, why should they believe me? I don't really know either. When COVID hit my building, we were crazy with the personal protective equipment, PPE. Except that we were, didn't have enough. We had to wear the same KN95 mask for a week because we did not have enough to change them out more often. And that made me wonder, as a nurse, I have to evaluate risk and benefit. Any, any intervention that I do for my patient likely has a cost or a risk to it. Is the reward that's going to come from that intervention worth the risk? For example, if I completely gown up, wear an extra gown, I'm wearing a, fa- a mask, a face shield, and then I put on extra gloves, and I come into my patient's room so I look like an alien. They can barely see my face because of the light glare off of it. They certainly can't hear, see my mouth moving, and because my mouth is behind two layers, they can barely hear me, and I'm supposed to tell them not to be scared. It was the best that we could do to show up every day and tell them, look, we're still here. We're still coming. We're doing the very, very best that we can for you. And we're going to be here for you. One of the ways that my building was incredibly blessed was that our COVID outbreak happened in our memory care unit. And why that's good is because it's behind locked doors. So that we had an entire different staff working on that hall than on the main building. That way the staff couldn't go back and forth and can cross-contaminate. One reason why COVID broke out so massively in memory care units, including mine, is because everybody else, I can tell them, go stay in your room, even though I don't want to tell them that. I can't really tell my memory care people that. They'll go, but they'll come out again. I can encourage my memory care people to wash their hands, and I can help them wash their hands, but they're still going to touch stuff and each other in between when I can get around to washing their hands again. My memory care patients, often, if they're tired, will just go find a bed to to nap in, even if it's not theirs. And you can imagine that that also spreads some germs. So in my memory care unit, we had 11 patients that tested positive for COVID. Of those 11, four of them died. Of those four, three were diabetic. And of one of the others who had it previously, she had been pre-diabetic. And once COVID was over, she was dependent on insulin. So we know that COVID definitely does something to the endocrine system. 
And maybe if everybody in the world who is studying COVID would talk to each other, we could figure out some of that stuff. When we had our outbreak, we were one of the first buildings in our town to have an outbreak. And it was terrifying. In fact, we were embarrassed. Why did this happen to us? But the community responded. Here in southern Utah, the long-term care community consists of many facilities and agencies. But we all work together. And while there's some competition, we all care about each other and we all support each other. The amount of love and support that poured into our building when we had our outbreak was phenomenal. Other agencies, hospice agencies, home health agencies, even other facilities sent in food every day, stacks of pizzas, piles of burritos, platters of sandwiches, so that as staff we wouldn't have to worry about finding something to eat. We could focus on our patients. There was, even for those of us who were there at night, and sometimes the night staff gets a little bit shorted on the treats. We didn't get shorted. We had access to all of the same supplies and treats that the day people had. And that, even just knowing, hey, here's a sticker on this, that this came from this home health agency. Here's a sticker on that, that it came from that home health agency. Felt really wonderful. Knowing that we were standing together really, really did help. It wasn't just that I had a piece of pizza to eat in the middle of the night. It was that there was a sticker that told me who sent that because they cared. Other heroes. Early on in COVID, when visiting got shut down and window visiting became the norm, Many people came. People would come who didn't know any of the residents, or maybe they would know one. But they would walk around the building to sing at the windows. Maybe they didn't know those people, but they knew that they needed to hear something to encourage them. And I still don't know who, but someone took strips of paper and wrote, You are loved and put one of those pieces of paper on every single window facing in. Clear when Christmas time came, and by Christmas time, our COVID outbreak was clear and had been clear for five or six months. But my patients were still living by COVID rules, even having to wear masks in the hallway and not being able to see the faces of their caregivers. One day when I was working, and I know there were many things that I didn't see, but one day when I was working, a high school chorus came, all of them wearing masks, all of them wearing funny Christmas sweaters, and this choir had worked very hard and practiced many songs, and they spent quite a bit of time moving from a group of windows to the next group of windows to sing carols for my patients. Christmas in the nursing home was one of my favorite times because there's such an outpouring of love and Christmas spirit from the community. <clears throat> one of my favorite things of that is the carolers who will simply walk through the building that everyone gets to enjoy as they walk past the rooms. I miss that this year. But having the high school choir come and sing outside the windows 
it was too dark, I think, inside the windows for them to see. I wish that those high school kids could have seen what it did for those patients. The laughter and the joy and the smiles and the singing along and the tears that rolled down their faces because that music brought hope. Another thing, people donated bird feeders. There was one day early on in COVID when I was having a really bad day and I happened to look out the window at my rose bush and there was a bird in the rose bush and something about that bird lifted my heart. It made me smile. It turned my face upside down. And after that, I asked for donations of bird feeders for the building and several people donated and we were able to set up bird feeders outside the patient's rooms. It seems like such a simple thing, guys. It's a bird feeder. But what it is, it was interaction with the outside world because my patients who couldn't leave their rooms could watch living birds fluttering and flying and eating and giving them hope. Do you have any idea how much a bird outside a window can give hope? It can, I promise. In fact, if you want to do something for the care centers around you, donate bird feeders. Donate bird feeders and bird seed and encourage them to hang them up outside the open windows of the patients who can't get out of bed. I guarantee you it makes a difference. My other favorite thing, and also my staff, I got to say again and again, my staff kicked butt. COVID was hard on everyone. And my staff, they kept showing up. They kept loving these people. They didn't give up. And that showed my patients hope as much as anything. And then one of my favorite heroes from all of COVID was my dog Clifford. I took Clifford once in the afternoon because my patients had no touch. They had no contact. They couldn't see their families and even the staff couldn't touch them except through gowns and gloves. It drove me crazy and they needed contact. So I got permission and I brought my dog, my great Dane Clifford, and we went room to room and he laid his head in their laps. And he's big enough that if they're in a bed that's even up high, he can just rest his head on the side of the bed and they can pet him. And those big brown eyes gave so much love. After I took him the one time, he begged me to go with me for a whole night shift. So I took him. And he did so well that I took him two, three times a week since then. Clifford has been working in the nursing home for almost a year now. And he's everybody's favorite nurse. They'll tell you that. Because when that big dog comes up and gives you those big brown eyes, that brings love. That brings hope. I think he is now the favorite staff member. And I got to give it to him because he deserves it. Remember risk versus benefit, guys. Every time you're, you're doing something to try to be safe, remember what benefit might come out of it or what might not. And remember sometimes... It's worth it to touch a hand, not through a glove. And sometimes it's worth it to smile, not through a mask. Remember that, and please be someone's hero. I'm not trying to tell you what to think, but I am trying to get you to think for yourself.